Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The top stories from the KCBS Radio Newsroom. This is the All Local. Good afternoon. I'm Patty Rising. And I'm Brett Burkhardt. Here's what's happening. San Francisco Mayor London Breed is out making her case for her supplemental budget request. As KCBS's David Welch reports, almost all of it would go to the city's police department. Mayor London Breed and her supporters want to spend an additional $27 million on the police, much of which goes towards officer overtime. The department is currently short close to 500 officers. And according to Chief Bill Scott, the additional funds are crucial in filling that gap. The only way that we temporarily bridge that shortcoming, that gap, is through overtime. And we need the funding. That's what the supplemental is all about. At this point, the board hasn't even scheduled discussing the proposal. And in a statement, Supervisor and Board President Aaron Peskin, who opposes the budget request, says he's confident there's another way to address the financial hurdles facing the police department. But according to Mayor Breed, if the board shoots her proposal down, it would spell doom for the city. The fact that this is not even calendar means we have to freeze all hiring. We have to freeze hiring for police. We have to freeze hiring for ambassadors. So we need their support. In San Francisco, David Welch, KCBS. Protesters demonstrated outside a PG&E conference in the East Bay today, calling on the state to re-regulate the utility. As KCBS's Matt Bigler reports, activists want California to better protect customers from rate hikes, wildfires, and power outages. We can't afford it! Affordability was at the forefront of this protest outside a wildfire mitigation conference hosted by PG&E. Gabrielle, who lives in East Oakland, says her power bill last month was $650. We can barely afford to keep warm and I need you to understand that it was $650 despite the fact that our house is not at a comfortable temperature. PG&E, no more greed. We should own our energy. The group Reclaim Our Power is calling on state regulators not to cave to PG&E. Spokesperson Pete Wywoody. For years PG&E has been submitting plans and these same regulators have said Ah, this is insufficient, this is ineffective, this is incomplete, this is hugely expensive, but we're going to give you a pass. He says they want PG&E to be a public utility instead of investor-owned. In a statement, PG&E tells KCBS, quote, We are working hard every day to reduce wildfire risk, and we welcome feedback from regulators and customers. In San Ramon, Matt Bigler, KCBS. A week after a student at a Santa Rosa high school was stabbed to death by another student in a classroom, a former school resource officer says having a so-called SRO assigned to the campus may have helped prevent the tragedy. KCBS's Jeffrey Shaw reports from the North Bay. Josie Sanguinetti spent 20 years with the Marin County Sheriff's Office, the last six as an SRO. 
it's every school resource officer's nightmare next to a school shooting as a kid being harmed or, or dying. Sanguinetti says school violence is growing. There's certainly been an increase in brazen violence. Fights, students bringing weapons onto campus, widespread drug use. Do SROs really make a difference? I think you can, but it takes time. And it takes building rapport. For some kids, like I said before, I was the only cop they ever had an experience with. Sanguinetti says interaction is key. If you are an SRO, you have to want that position. You have to love that position. It is more than a full-time job. So you're putting everything you have into that. Mm -hmm. And so undoubtedly, any SRO is going to walk their campuses, learn their kids. At first, you kind of stand back and, and it's really good to be awkward or it's really good to join in in certain things where the kids see you as just a human because that's what you are. To hear the entire interview with Josie, listen to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the North Bay, Jeffrey Schaub, KCBS. Senator Dianne Feinstein is now recovering from shingles at home after being released from a San Francisco hospital. Feinstein tweeted out her thanks to everyone for the well wishes and the hospital staff for providing excellent care. The senator says she's looking forward to returning to the Senate as soon as possible. Patty, after years of staying close to home, Americans are definitely looking to travel. KCBS's Jennifer Hodges says passenger traffic at San Jose International Airport has skyrocketed. This past January, over 866,000 people passed through SJC, a 55% jump over January of last year. Last summer, we finally began seeing monthly totals reach 1 million passengers again for the first time since the pandemic started. Kianis Taylor is with the airport. In a 12-month period from January to January, the airport handled 11.6 million passengers. When the pandemic began, SJC was literally the fastest-growing airport in the country. 2019 saw 15.6 million passengers at SJC, an average of about 1.3 million passengers each month. Another airline has been added into service at the airport, and some are even expanding routes. San Jose Mayor Matt Mayen. For our residents, this means more visits to and from family. And for our small business owners, this means greater opportunities for revenue and growth. Despite the gains, numbers are still way below what they were pre-pandemic. Jennifer Hodges, KCBS. Fire officials in Tahoe are worried about an increased risk of gas leaks and carbon monoxide poisonings as a result of the epic snowfall. The heavy snowfall has blocked vents and natural gas meters throughout North Tahoe. Fire officials say many of the gas leaks they've seen have been caused by gas tanks and meters going through constant freezing and thawing because of the snow, while positive monoxide readings are caused by blocked up vents that reach to the outside. Officials say residents should avoid burying gas meters or pipes when clearing snow from around their homes and refrain from using sharp objects to clear snow and avoid letting the natural gas in their tanks drop below 30%, all to reduce the risk of leaks. Patty, with International Women's Day coming tomorrow, UNICEF is putting out new data in a report finding a global nutrition crisis in adolescent girls and women of childbearing age. And the results show that global progress is slowing and gender inequity is growing in treating malnutrition and anemia in women. For more, we are joined on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Harriet Torless, nutrition advisor at UNICEF and author of this new report. Harriet, thank you so much for your time. Very welcome. This is really revealing, and it's not just about nutrition, because as you point out, if you don't have access to nutritious food, it affects every other part of someone's life, right? Absolutely, and, and 
these um, women and adolescent girls are really struggling to access the nutritious diets they need, and particularly with the rising food prices and those living in areas affected by conflict and poverty and drought. It's a really difficult situation. So the report finds that it's getting worse. Why is that? Well, it's a compound of many different factors. And what we've shown in that 12 countries which have been hardest hit by the global food and nutrition crisis, the number of acutely malnourished women has risen from 5.5 million to 6.9 million. Now, that's an increase of about 25% in just two years, the time since the COVID crisis began, followed by um, the Ukraine uh, conflict and that knock-on effect on, on food prices. So these are areas that are already grappling with poverty, climate and conflict and now facing much more extreme difficulties. Women in these countries, um, they're living in contexts where health systems are extremely fragile and not able to reach women with essential services. And also they're living in areas where there's these discriminatory social and gender norms, which mean girls marry very young. They are pregnant as adolescents. They don't have control over household income and they're really unable to choose what they eat and when they can seek health care. What does this do, though, for expecting mothers or early stage mothers? Well, for the mothers themselves, if they're pregnant, um, they're exposed to life-threatening complications during pregnancy and more likely to die. Um, We're also extremely concerned for for the infants. Um, They're more likely to be born small, Um, and become malnourished in early childhood. That not only affects their growth, but we know it has impacts on their brain development. So malnutrition during pregnancy and in early life of the child has lifelong consequences um, for the mother and for the child. So how do you make it better? How do you access or increase access to better nutrition for these women? So we're calling on governments, humanitarian and development margins to prioritize the nutrition of adolescent girls and women. It really hasn't got the traction it deserves, and partly because people are failing to recognize how important it is, not only for the mother and her dignity, but also for the child. So we have to increase investment in essential nutrition programs that deliver those nutrition interventions for girls and women both before they become pregnant, so they enter pregnancy with good nutrition, but also during pregnancy. And these these are families that are affected by poverty. So it's extremely important that we also expand access to social protection programs. And those are the programs that provide women with cash transfers or vouchers that they can use to access the nutritious diets they need. How is UNICEF able to, to do that? Are you, do you guys get funded by the UN to make some of those differences? Well, we are a UN agency, and, and we're funded by various donors and even by um, people in, in countries who see this as a, as a dire need. And so, yes, we have programs in all of these countries, and we're delivering essential nutrition programs. But we knew, know there's just much more that needs to be done, particularly at this time, um, where families are struggling even more with food inflation and with, with um, climatic shocks like droughts and floods in, in these countries. All right, Harriet, thank you so much for your time. Harriet Torless, nutrition advisor at UNICEF and author of this new report. Patty, in a surprise move, the governor is skipping the traditional state of the state speech this year. And instead, we'll take the show on the road with a series of press conferences 
to announce a new policy plan. Details from KCBS reporter Holly Kwan. The governor is California's biggest cheerleader in last year's State of the State speech. When it comes to the economy, California's unmatched. We dominate. We dominate in research, innovation, entrepreneurialism, venture capital, and remain the world's fifth largest economy. But this year, from next Thursday through next weekend, he's holding a series of press conferences from L.A. to the Bay on housing, homelessness, and mental health. Gavin Newsom marches to his own beat. Larry Gersten is Professor Emeritus of Political Science at San Jose State. Truth be told, the state of the state, much like the State of the Union, is more symbolic uh, than substantive. Symbolic in the sense that here are all the lofty goals, uh, really don't know what's going to happen, but I'm putting them down for you. Let's go from there. That's what we mean by symbolic. There's nothing tangible that comes out of it unless the legislature wants to go ahead and act on what the governor's asked. And and usually it's very broad. It's platitudinal, if I can use that word. There's not a lot of meat as much as there are a lot of hope. After the roadshow, the governor will send a letter to the legislature laying out the policies he announced on tour, and that will fulfill his constitutional requirement to update the legislature. Holly Kwan, KCBS. Here's a headline that caught the eye of our Jim Taylor. It reads, Bay Area now affordable for renters. Well, let's just ask our local Bay Area real estate agent, is the Bay Area more affordable for renters? It depends on who you are, right? If if you're getting big increases at work, it's more affordable. If you're retired or, you know, fixed income, it's it's not more affordable. Bill Grimison, Winkler Real Estate Group. So the headline really only applies if you're making good salary, which a lot of Bay Area workers are. This spur study also attributes lower than expected rents in the Bay Area to a continuing departure. Especially in San Francisco, there's a large exodus of people leaving the city for suburban areas, rural areas in California, and even some relocation to other states. So that's a thing that was happening during the pandemic. So it's still going on. People are still leaving. Yeah, it's a softening. So it's supply and demand. Another takeaway that is less counterintuitive, becoming a homeowner remains far out of reach for middle-income and low-income renters in the Bay Area. Jim Taylor, KCBS. The United Kingdom is recommending those most at risk for COVID receive a booster this spring. KCBS's Margie Schaefer reports one expert would not be surprised if the U.S. follows suit. The CDC is recommending an annual booster, but... If we should have another surge or if there is a new variant or subvariant that comes along that looks ominous, that they would be immediately ready to pivot to another vaccine in the spring. That is UC Berkeley clinical professor emeritus of infectious disease and vaccinology, Dr. John Schwartzberg. The UK is taking a different tact at this point than the CDC is. That is making a spring booster available to everyone over 75, care home residents, and anyone extremely vulnerable over the age of five. Schwartzberg points to a paper yet to be peer-reviewed from Finland, suggesting the bivalent booster vaccine effects wane after a few months for the elderly. I think there certainly is a possibility the CDC is going to change its recommendation. Schwartzberg says right now we are in a steady state with COVID, the first time we've been in a state like this, suggesting we are in or approaching an endemic state. Margie Schaefer, KCBS. And with more on the news, watchers, Brett. Patty, California wildlife officials are concerned about a parasite outbreak that is killing a native bird in high numbers. KCBS's Megan Goldsby has the story. The band-tailed pigeon is the only pigeon native to California. Then you won't see it strolling around Jack London Square. They 
tend to be a little bit um, harder to see most times of the year. But the hawk-sized gray and green bird with a little white band on its tail is migrating through the Bay Area now, says Krista Rogers. She's senior environmental scientist at the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. And unfortunately, many of them have been seen dead on the ground. Compared to previous outbreaks, um, this does seem to be maybe on the more severe side, um, but just based on the reports that we've been getting and the density of birds that have been reported, especially in the Bay Area recently. The parasite does spread at watering holes, so she says you should empty your bird bath in between storms if you can, but there are a lot of water sources right now, so the spread is expected to continue. One thing we can do that will really help is notify the department if we do spot one of these birds dead. And that just gives us a good idea of, of, again, the numbers of birds that might be impacted during these outbreaks and the different locations being reported. Megan Goldsby, KCBS. Well, speaking of birds, the Biden administration is talking with experts about whether it would be feasible to vaccinate millions of chickens against the worst avian flu outbreak in history. KCBS's Eric Thomas has more. The outbreak has affected 58 million chickens on farms in 47 states, chickens who've had to be destroyed, which is why egg prices were 70 percent higher in January than the same month of 2022. This is UC Davis professor Maurice Pateski. The vast majority of those have been layers, the chickens that make the eggs that that you and I might eat. So it's a supply and demand thing. If we have a reduction of 13%, approximately 13% of our laying population, the supply is reduced. Health policy experts say the problem could get worse in the spring as demand goes up for Easter and wild birds begin to migrate and take the virus with them. Bird experts say vaccinating the chickens will help the poultry industry, which is facing huge losses, and also help prevent the H5N1 virus from jumping to humans. CDC says the probability of that is low, but not impossible. Eric Thomas. KCBS. We've got the updated forecast now from KPIX 5's Paul Hagan. We've got another round of rain that's going to move through the Bay Area tonight into early Wednesday morning. This isn't going to last too long and it's not going to bring us any significant flooding threat. It's just going to be inconvenient for the morning commute, so we'll allow some extra time for that. We'll get into a break in the action. The showers should be gone by 9 a.m. Wednesday. The rest of Wednesday, Wednesday night, the first half of Thursday look dry. Still chilly with high temperatures only in the low to mid 50s, but we're waiting on the next round of heavier rain to arrive Thursday afternoon noon. That's going to be associated with a moderate to strong atmospheric river, the heaviest rain falling Thursday evening and overnight. That's also when the gustiest winds are going to occur. Wind gusts over 40 miles an hour are going to be possible, so more tree damage and more power outage is possible. And lingering showers are likely Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm meteorologist Paul Hagen with your KCBS KPIX 5 First Alert Forecast. Thanks so much, Paul. As the snow falls, the risk for avalanche goes up. KCBS's Chris Ancarlo reports the forecast could snowball into more danger. It's a historic season by snow totals and precipitation generally for the Sierra area. Yeah, this is the snowiest year since 2011 and the ninth snowiest year overall. Sierra Avalanche Center Executive Director David Reichel says there's almost always an elevated avalanche risk when storms rumble over the mountains. And the forecast that we're talking about right now is for you know pretty warm uh, storm with rain levels, you know, well into the you know mid to upper mountains. He says rain falling at higher elevations increases the avalanche danger significantly. It's generally not something where that avalanche danger lasts for a long period of time, but you wouldn't want to be out there. The center uses a five-level warning scale. Low, moderate, considerable, high, and extreme. And the Sierra has been sitting in the considerable category for much of this weekend with some forays into the high, and the center focuses on the backcountry, but these ratings 
Well, they offer a general sense of conditions in the mountains. Chris Ancarlo, KCBS. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, is reportedly laying off thousands of employees this week. The recent tech layoffs inspired a San Francisco legislator to propose more protections for workers. KCBS's Raquel Maria Dillon reports the bill would apply to anyone who gets laid off from a large company. When a large company staffs up by hundreds of employees, then lays them off a couple years later, Assemblymember Matt Haney says it's not fair. When workers face layoffs, they haven't done anything wrong. The bill Haney introduced in Sacramento is called the Protect Laid-Off Workers Act. It would build on job protections in the state's WARN Act, which was designed for factory shutdowns that put thousands of manufacturing workers out of work decades ago. Haney's bill would include contractors, giving them the same 90-day notice that staff workers get when more than 50 people are let go. This law would simply expand the protections given to employees from layoffs uh, to all workers. Everyone from a contract janitor to a senior staff engineer would get the same notice. Business groups say this might make it harder to do business in California at a moment when Bay Area cities are desperate to fill office space downtown. But Haney counters that what attracts innovative companies to the region is its workforce. So state laws should protect workers. Raquel Maria Dillon, KCBS. High schoolers in Santa Rosa and their parents are meeting with school staff and mental health professionals at this hour to discuss last week's deadly stabbing at Montgomery High School. KCBS's Megan Goldsby has the story. They are calling today's event a listening session, and this won't be the last of them. The idea, according to Santa Rosa City Schools, is for school board members and school staff to listen to the community on ideas to make students feel safe in class. It's been almost a week since a 15-year-old boy was arrested for stabbing a 16-year-old boy to death inside a classroom. It came out in court the boy was at least partially acting in self-defense. Students have been walking out of class across Santa Rosa in protest over the past week, saying the violence on campus needs to stop. At this afternoon's meeting is a developmental behavioral pediatrician who is the director of the National Center for School Crisis and Bereavement and other mental health care professionals to help anyone who needs it after this tragedy. In Santa Rosa, Megan Goldsby, K. Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your podcasts and stream us on your smart speaker 24-7 by saying, play KCBS Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.